0: Hey everyone, I want to make a quick announcement about a uh, drummer in our community, Keith Dudek. He's a drummer here in Nashville, but he's been in the hospital for a little over a month, fallen victim to COVID, and it's been a tough road with some very scary moments Our friend Lee Kelly and former guest uh, has been keeping us up to date. There's a GoFundMe page to help cover Keith's extensive medical expenses that we know that is going to burden him uh, when he gets over this. But it's been a tough road, and we are praying for him, thinking about him, and if you're in a position to help, even just a few dollars here or there, I'm including a link to Keith's GoFundMe page. Uh, So I just want to make a quick announcement about that. This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. I'm Zach Albetta and our guest this week is Ross Peterson. Although Ross is a native of North Dakota and an alumnus of North Texas, I think of him as a New York dude with a New York resume. In about a decade there, Ross has amassed a long list of credits in the city, on the road and in the studio, including saxophonist and vocalist Grace Kelly, Manhattan Transfer and many others. This episode is sponsored by Sonatus USA. Get it right at the source is the most common advice we hear about recording drums. Tuning and mic placement are a great place to start, but what shouldn't be overlooked is the space you're playing in. The time and energy it takes to work up and record a great performance shouldn't be wasted in a sonically bad environment. Investing in a proper blend of absorption, diffusion, and bass traps will improve the quality of your recordings just as much as the investments you make in your playing instruments and recording equipment. Whether you're tracking, rehearsing, mixing, or just practicing, having a great sounding room is essential. Sonitus USA provides the products and consultation to get your drums sounding the best they can in whatever space you're working with. Check them out at sonatususa.com. That's S-O-N-I-T-U-S-U-S-A dot com. And you can also hear acoustician Anthony Grimani of Sonitus talking with Matthew Krauss about all things sound treatment in episodes 306, 308, and 313. We would appreciate your support on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash working drummer and a donation in any amount gets you access to exclusive content from our former guests. Think of this as professional development for drummers, all useful and actionable lessons for the working pro. We're populating new content regularly, and as little as $1 a month gets you access to all of it. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can also make a one-time donation through PayPal. There are links for both on our homepage at WorkingDrummer.net. While you're there, you can learn more about this episode and check out our archive of over 300 episodes. Also, please subscribe to Working Drummer Podcast on your platform of choice. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Lastly, however you listen, please leave us a rating and review. This helps new listeners find us. this was a fun talk with ross i especially liked hearing about his wife julia Adamy, who is a new york bassist fellow north texas alum and ross's bandmate in grace kelly's band and many other projects they both come from families with super strong musical roots and it was cool to hear about how they converged so here we go that and much more with ross peterson Just became a homeowner in Brooklyn there.
1: Yes, sir. Congratulations,
0: He's man. That's that's man. amazing. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it was it was a long and drawn out process, as you know, and especially with COVID and everything, is just like delayed and delayed some more and then delayed some more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're we're stoked and uh building up the studio.
0: Right. Um, so you're to, setting up in the basement there, right? You've got like a finished basement.
1: Yep, yep, yep you can kind of see it i, I finally got these acoustic tiles i, I don't really know because i know that you're that you guys like shout out uh is it sonic
0: or yes sonic? uh sonatus
1: sonatus yeah. yeah and that's like i think that's one of your sponsors yeah okay so i don't want to like i ended up going with gik
0: um, <laughs> well then so this don't... interview is over <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I did some research and had some buddies that were that really swore by them. And, and um, so, no offense to the Sonitus people, I know that your products are probably really great too.
0: But um, hey, man, there's more than one player in, in every game. So um, that's right. So I wanted to ask you, like, you know, we've obviously over the last year we've talked with a lot of drummers about um, getting recording going, getting a studio started in your house. Yes. Um, yes. But you are kind of at the next step where like you moved into a new space and you got to sort of start a new studio from scratch and, you know, jettison some things maybe from your old studio that weren't working as well, upgrade to some other stuff or just, you know, use the space in a different way because it's a different space. So, Absolutely. yeah, what are like what are some of the changes uh, in either your gear or your approach or, or anything that, that the new space is bringing
1: well, first and foremost, what the new space has already brought is a sense of space. Mm. I mean, literally, I in the apartment that we were in before, um, there was a, a essentially a walk-in closet that I overtook, um, I built a little like kind of makeshift drum riser, sound absorber, diffuser thing, because I I before that I'd gotten some some complaints from this nail salon that was below us. <laughs> you know, I was like. At the time, I was I was learning the book to sub on the show Mama Mia. Oh wow! And so so I got out the the twenty two inch kick, and I was just like shedding ABBA beats for like four like like burning out on ABBA for like four hours, and finally the the guy came up to me, and he's like, "Boom, boom, boom, boom! No more, no more boom, boom!" <laughs> 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 like like he would, like the look on his face. He was just defeated, you know. Like he's like, "Please, like, right, like you can't."
0: I can't I can't hang anymore like <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know and and you know like it's that's one of the things about living in New York City is like you're you're never truly isolated I mean I guess you can you know you can get a whisper room and all this stuff but anyway so I I I treated the floor a little bit I got these like rubber invar tiles that helped but anyway this new space there's nobody below us mm-hmm. I'm as far into the ground as you can possibly get Um, and, uh, so, yeah, I mean, what I've changed is basically I've added some more inputs. I had a, an Apollo 8P and I added a, an XP. So I, um, an XP with, uh, the DA or the, sorry, the warm audio, uh, 412. Mm -hmm. So I'm using those for the line inputs. Um, and then I've got the extra four XLR guys because my goal is, to I mean, obviously we're all I mean things are starting to open up and we're not it's it's obviously we're flying tracks back and forth to each other but um, people are starting to make music in the same space right. and I'm, I'm my goal with this new studio was to be able to foster an environment where that can happen hmm. um, and I think I think it's gonna be it's gonna be possible. I mean it's not gonna be like you know Mission Sound or Studio G it's not gonna be um, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing, but like a you know jazz trio or like a songwriter, you know, that kind of, that kind yeah. of thing. like, hey. um, but it's, it's, we're we're getting close. We're getting close yeah, to the, to I can the- tell. So it's, it's like super
0: exciting. Cool. So like, in addition to, uh, you know, having multiple people in your room at the same time, what are, um, what are some things that you want to do with this room that you just could not do in your old space?
1: sonically i mean in terms of like if if we want to just talk about a bare bones drum sound Mm -hmm. you know for for those you know situations where we're just somebody sends you a track and then you're laying down your thing um again the space like being able to to move a mic back 10 20 feet (laughs) and and get more of like a bottom-esque like room sound you know and run that slam that through a you know the dresser that I just got from my father-in-law. Um, so sonic possibilities—it was—it's funny. You know, there's even a, a stairway that goes up. There's this wooden stairway um, that goes up into the the main floor. And my father-in-law was like, "What if you put a mic in that? You know, like what would that sound like? What, yeah. what kind of room sound would that be? You know, and like so there's there's just so many. You know, there's a bathroom down here. There's like there's just so many sonic possibilities. Yeah, space-wise. That's really exciting to me. Um, And uh, my good friend Bob Lanzetti from Snarky Puppy um, was so kind to to lend me his Supra guitar amp. So, like, that's new.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, because I, you know, I had a session over here, like kind of a jazz session, and I invited Gilad Hexelman and Massimo Bilcotti over here the other day, and two very fine jazz players in Mm -hmm. New York City. And I had this just kind of really crummy, Fender Mustang. No, no offense to Fender, but like Fender Mustang uh, digital amp. It was like two hundred bucks at Guitar Center, and Gilad was just like, "Man, what is this?" <laughs> He's like, "You want me to play with this? And you want you want to try to record it?"
0: Like, oh, okay. Right, right. Well, Gilad, would you like to go get your amp and bring it down here? <laughs> yeah, take an Uber back. Go yeah, get, go get. The
1: Uber. But. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, I'm starting to realize too is is that, you know, when you go to a, as a drummer, you know, you go to a session, you go to a studio somewhere, and if, and if the gear ain't happening, that kills the vibe immediately. Right. It's just like, you know, you're just, you're, you're struggling even just to, you know, maintain a, a sense of, you know, normalcy.
0: Right. Just sort of baseline not sucking.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, you don't have to like work to to rise above the instrument.
0: You yeah, know? Um, yeah.
1: So that that was something that I, that I wanted to make sure um, I, I had musicians feeling comfortable when they came over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, in addition to that, we also put some love into the piano that we have. We have. Oh yeah, family. I saw
0: that on Instagram. That's so cool, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a family heirloom. So, and it's like it's you know. It's not the greatest piano, and I've had some some really great piano player friends say like, if you're trying to be serious about recording piano, like you should get rid of that as soon as possible.
0: And I know what they're saying, but you should not get rid of that thing at all because it has a vibe. Like it's not, it's you know, it's a spinet. It's not a baby grand or something that like, uh, you know, Josh Nelson or somebody would want to record. Although maybe he might, but (laughs) but yeah, it has such a vibe to it. Exactly, but, like, you know, I'm I'm thinking,
1: like, you know, something like Bon Iver, that that kind of, like, introspective, arty pop, like, that, it would totally work for something like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know,
1: it's in tune now, and so that's great.
0: (laughs) And it, like, it's a a family heirloom of sorts? Yeah, it was in, well,
1: my wife's family, it was, I believe, in her grandmother's house for a long time, and then... Then it lived at her parents' place for a while. Then they got rid of it and it was at her aunt and uncle's place in Manhattan for a second. And they moved out of town. And then so about four or five years ago, um, they asked us if we wanted it. And we we're just like,
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. We- nice. Um, so speaking of your wife, um, tell, tell me how to pronounce her last name. Adame. Julia Adamy is Julia just a hellaciously, murderously funky bassist who, like, <laughs> every time I see one of her Instagrams, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, it's so funky. Um, Man, yeah, it <laughs> is. How did, like, I, I have all kinds of questions. How did you all get together? Um, wh- what has it been like uh, being in a relationship and married to another musician? Um, because, you know, we talk all the time about, because uh, you know, most of us are married to not a musician and there's all sorts yes. of, uh, you know, pitfalls and things to navigate, uh, in, in that uh, relationship with that dynamic. Um, right. but I would imagine there's just a completely different set to navigate <laughs> when you're, when you're both musicians.
1: For sure. For sure. Well, f- so we met, um, at North Texas. We both, both went to the university of North Texas mm-hmm. and, um, but we were, I was in a different relationship when we met and, you know, we, both kind of did our own thing at the time um but it was when after i had moved to new york and she was she just graduated and was on the mama mia um tour she was on the the touring version of uh mama mia okay and when she came back to new york to visit we were like you know chatting messaging on instagram no actually it was before instagram was uh
0: facebook messenger Um, it wasn't it wasn't myspace it wasn't quite MySpace, <laughs>
1: <laughs> not quite that far back. Um, although I am old enough to have had a MySpace.
0: Podcast, yep, I had one. I had course,
1: one. We all did. Um, but yeah, so we would, you know, we'd be, would be talking. By this point, I had had my first tour um, with Lou Soloff in 2010, back in the day. And so, I actually, like I was making some decent money, and she was making money, and so we we bonded on. Like these kind of ridiculous, expensive dinners, (laughs) you know, like just as friends. Right. But but every time she'd come back, you you know, we would kind of like court each other a little bit more, and then, um, and then we would play a little bit, and it was basically just playing and eating and we realized like this is there's something here yeah this is this is uh, working out great <laughs> this is, yeah this is like like you're my like my my best friend and what could be better than this right right um
0: music but, and food non-stop man right right it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a musician's dream really yeah. it's just
1: but we you know we played together a lot in different situations over the years too um She's just, yeah, she's just such a badass in so many ways. Yeah. Um, And so living with a musician is, I mean, it's great. Like, we don't have that kind of issue that a lot of um, musicians dating or being married to non musicians have. Like, we don't have, you know, I'm always working at night, she's always working at, you know, during the day, that kind of thing. Right. Um, But there is a similar, thing that happens you know with tour schedules like back when you know back in the day when we were touring <laughs> um that you know sometimes that kind of overlap would be a little kind of not dicey but like you know who's gonna feed the cats right. you know this, this kind of thing but um i mean it's it's honestly man it's so great in in, in especially during a pandemic when all of us are jonesing so much to like have musical connections with people Mm -hmm. and connect on that level, like having an in-house rhythm section. Yeah. just so amazing. You know, it was like, like I I was so, um, so grateful for that.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: but yeah, man, she's, she's the best. She, I mean, she puts up with living with a
0: drummer, man. I mean, come on, (laughs) man. It's a small and noble club of, of (laughs) spouses and significant others who, (laughs) Oh, man. Who put up with, with the drums. Holy shit. Um, so, like, where where did she come from and what was her musical background and sort of how how have you, like, in the time you've been together, how have you sort of, like, shaped each other's musical tastes or shaped each other as musicians?
1: That's a really great question. And, and, and it's something that kind of, like, it keeps percolating our relationship, like, forward yeah, in a way. Because, yeah. I mean... Ultimately, we both went to jazz school, but I think of the two of us in the relationship, I'm definitely more the, the jazz head. Mm-hmm. Like, jazz head who was raised on rock and roll, you know, I guess like so many of us post-Brian Blade guys, you know, who's <laughs> like, you know, um, can't seem to commit to a certain musical genre. It's just right. like, I, like, I kind of like it all, that kind of thing. Yeah. And she's, she's the same way, but like her she's definitely coming more from like Jamerson um, funk soul, you know, like Motown stacks. I, I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's deep, deep in her veins. Um, you know, in in like Stevie and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like, she's kind of like funk R and B and I'm coming from like, you know, tower of power um, and still like Stevie and, and but also like, Man, like, growing up, it was James Taylor and Blood, Sweat, and Tear. You know, my father's a trumpet player, right? So, yeah, like, yeah. All, the, all the horn bands, Chicago, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Um, so, like, there, you know, if, like, it's funny, if you looked at a Venn diagram of of our musical influence, and there's a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, like, I was just burning out on Elvin Jones in high school where she was more, like, Pino Palladino, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right. Like... Man, I just, I just of I just had like a flashback of like inappropriately trying to interject like Elvin stuff on like a, <laughs> on a jam band gig. Oh my <laughs> like, God. Yep. Like the, you know, you just like the things that you realized that you didn't know back in the day. And if you could just tell your, your younger self, like what
0: the hell are you doing? <laughs> right. Yeah. I like, you know, when I was in uh, college, I was doing like my Bill Stewart impression at the steakhouse gig. Yes. you know, (laughs) uh, you know, I was learning, like my brain was on fire and I was just excited about all this shit, but I, I didn't really know how to like read the room yet. Um, and I think, I mean, as a, as a sort of little aside here, like it's, it's what drives me crazy about, um, you know, some music education and some jazz programs in particular is that they, you know, (laughs) you, you do these deep dives into, um, the masters, just the, the, the unicorns, the elvens, the Tonys, all you know. Um yeah, but course. there's there's really not a lot of discussion about like um you know, just playing straight ahead time or
1: like the Mickey Rokers.
0: Right. 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 Or the like, like the Shelly Manns, you know, or like Kluke.
1: Yeah. Um, right. Right. You know, um, like Yeah, I feel like that was one thing I mean. <laughs> there's so many great things that I can talk about uh, things I can say about Ed Sof. I mean, yeah. he's the master educator, but like he did include a lot of that. Like we were checking out um, her, like Herlin Riley and um, who else? Um, spacing like definitely like Jimmy Cobb, mm-hmm. you know, transcribing Cobb and and like the, the the simple workhorse guys, like the cats that everybody wanted on their records and on their tours, because, they played the gig, right. you know, they, they, they played the music they did like, they, you know, didn't get in the way. Mm-hmm. Right. But, uh, but yeah, like he, of course, you know, like would, would allow us and, and encourage us to like dig into Bill Stewart and, you know, Brian blade and Eric Harland, you know, yeah. I, I know a friend of mine, um definitely, Transcribed the uh, I think everybody transcribed that um, uh, that Brian Blade solo on jazz crimes. <laughs>
0: I did not, <laughs> but
1: <laughs> <You> did <not>. awesome <laughs> <laughs>
0: thinking about Soph earlier today like I was getting ready for this interview and and was just thinking about you know it's been said about Soph before but like how many different kinds of drummers have come out of North Texas right like they all they all went through Soph and none of them are the same um so like what was what was your experience with him as far as like I mean did he like tear you apart and then put you back together or uh was it sort of a nurturing down the path that you were already on like how how did you come out of there?
1: yeah, well, so he definitely tore us all apart <laughs>
0: <laughs> i've heard he like, does that yeah
1: let's let's be real yeah. and you know in hindsight there's a a lot of love there, you mm-hmm. know, but it's 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 a it's a it's a nurturing tough love you know we couldn't see it at the time because we were so young and so green and so like I I just you know I always wanted you know I'm a young, young Midwest boy you know like I wanted to do the right thing and like you know get the answers right on the test quite you know yeah that kind of but like um he had a really beautiful sort of socratic way about teaching which sort of coaxes the information out of you mm-hmm. in a in a strange um he had a, a, a like a at sometimes frustrating way of responding to questions with questions.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. It's like when you want the, you want to find, you want to like get to the answer, but like he knew that, that we knew, like we knew what the music dictated, what, what, what needed to happen. We like, so you would have this line of questioning that would pull these things out of you. And I think that's why all of the strongest drummers that come out of that program, the Ari Honigs, Keith Carlock, Bill Campbell, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, Like, they're all different voices because it it was, it was a a matter of him shaping their, their direction, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Finding out what their, what their voice wants to be and what needs to happen in order to make that happen.
0: Yeah. I, so, okay. I'm wrapping my head around this now. Like it sounds like rather than, you know, somebody, somebody like you, especially someone who's looking for answers and like wants to do well, you know, you'll, you'll ask, I mean, you'll, you'll look, you're looking for permission or approval about whether or not what you want to do is like right or correct. And it sounds like he kind of got you more focused on like, what is, is what you want to do good? Like, never mind Right. Is it good? Is it really you? Does it serve the music? Is it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, 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 and getting you to have an intention about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's, you know, I remember f- very vividly these moments in, in like when we we're kind of playing along with these play along tracks, and he would stop and he'd say like Why did you? What did you? That right there, like two measures ago, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Like, why? Did, what was it? Like, what was the intention behind that triplet fill? You know? And it's like, and it wasn't whether it. it in that moment, you're like, uh, shit, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the point is, it's you know, did you have? Was there a reason for it?
0: Right, was it
1: was it a response to something that you had heard? Were you were you playing off of something that the bass player had played, or that the you know the comping of the piano? Like, what was the reason? Yeah, you know? and that that was that is a lesson that still resonates with me today. Is is having a reason and an intention behind everything
0: that you do. I could see how that could be a total mind fuck. because if you, like if, <laughs> if you're playing and he stops you and says, why did you do that? You know, I, <laughs> like especially for somebody like me or maybe you like wanting to please wanting to get shit, right. you yes. you might be in, go into a headspace of like, Oh shit, I played the wrong thing or like, right. what I played was bad. But he's, he's just sort of like testing the fences about like, it wasn't good or bad. Is that what you meant to do? or was it just right. kind of a mindless thing. Right, exactly. And, you know, it could have been helpful to say that
1: like, <laughs> hey, I'm not I'm not I'm not, critici- I'm not saying it was it was this or that, but but, you know, right, I just want to know what what you're thinking there. Well, he's got
0: to have some fun though, you know.
1: Yeah, I man, I, looking <laughs> back, I'm sure I like. I know he was having a ball with it. Because <laughs> like, it's like after you graduate, the vibe is just totally different. You know, you can go mm. and like have a beer with him, and it's just like, okay, you right?
0: Know, how's the country treating You, you know, <laughs> right, right. Um, Another thing I was wondering about North Texas is like we've we've talked about um, you know college music programs uh, ad nauseum, um, and you know the difference between. A really competitive program and a more nurturing program, and how different personalities sort of thrive in in different environments, is North Texas as competitive an environment as I think it is? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> One thousand percent. I mean, like jazz is a sport there, it's, right? It's you know. So it, all that all the drummers there are just fucking knives out, and everybody's scared of Soph and <laughs> and, and like. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 basically like a Vietnam War battlefield. <laughs> Jesus um, Christ. It's like no. <laughs> platoon for jazz. <laughs> Ed Sof is Tom Berenger.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> Sof is gonna come, he's gonna like he's gonna
1: call me and just be like, what the fuck, Peterson? <laughs> um No, no, no. It honestly, okay, so let me back up a second. So yes, it is highly, highly competitive, but everybody is super cool Mm -hmm. you know so it's it's kind of it's sort of funny you know it's like so i shared a for a while i shared a a wall in the practice room with the drummer steve pruitt Mm -hmm. Know Steve, right
0: yeah has he been on the show ah i don't think so no
1: i don't think so he should be yeah um ask him about the stock market Um, but anyway, you know, like, so all these bad motherfuckers are like shedding, you know, 10 feet from each other just by, with a shared wall, but we would bring our kits out into the hallway and play duets and stuff together. Mm. And so it, it's like, it's like, yeah, I want your gig. I want, you know, I want to be in the one o'clock lab band. You know, I want your spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I'm still gonna, like, we're going to hang. We'll have, we'll have a beer together. We'll, you know, get a coffee, like, right. Talk some. Like really nerd out mostly on Brian Blade at the time. Right. You know? <laughs> um. Yeah. So like the, it, I mean, it's a beautiful environment. Everybody is is competitive, but they're all working their butts off. And mm-hmm. I learned so much from all of the musicians that I hung out. I mean, the, the teachers were great, but the thing is that there's so many. It's such a big program that there's so many great musicians. And like just hanging with the sax players, hanging with the bass players. I lived with Mike League for four years Hmm. um, from Snarky Puppy. And so, like, you know, we're playing, picking each other's brains and just learning from each other. It was a really beautiful moment, man. I mean, it's like I wouldn't trade those years for anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. Another thing I'm realizing is that I think a a competitive environment like that teaches you, like, if you you take competition personally – Mm. An environment like that is either going like you're either going to get over that real fast or or you're going to crash, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we definitely we lost a few good good men in the field, you know. As they say, like <laughs> the right. like, number like the number of drummers that made it, you know, from freshman year to graduation, like that number just you know it decreased kind of not exponentially but considerably. You know, mm-hmm. it was like okay, so and so took off this it wasn't this kind of thing wasn't for them um and that's totally understandable because like obviously jazz school is a very very specific thing mm-hmm. and jazz jazz uh, jazz school at a college that's very uh big band lab band oriented you know yeah. that's that's a whole other thing yeah you know and yeah and it's been so um awesome you know to to reconnect with alumni in new york city mm-hmm. but we're, all, we're also like man you know like all of this emphasis was played uh on the lab bands on the auditions on getting in the in the big band you know getting the one o'clock and that was super valuable a lot of all of those skills like I, again i wouldn't i wouldn't trade them but but there's life beyond that like yeah. a lot of musical life beyond that mm-hmm. um, and and i think that it's been a, a, a really great thing for for all of us to to realize that and to like explore our you know musical passions.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, a, lot, a lot of a lot of singers that left that program it's like wait, I don't need to scat, you know. I don't <laughs> yeah. like, I don't need to sing the bebop scale ever again, yeah. you know, like I learned that skill and that 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 developed some technique but
0: I'm going to write some songs. Mhm. <laughs> Was there an equivalent experience for you? Like, did you go into North Texas thinking that you had to do a certain thing as a drummer and then, like, during your time there, you were like, fuck that, I don't have to do that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yes and no. I mean, um, I certainly went there with the goal of being in the one o'clock band, yeah. you know? like I, yeah, I wanted to be, obviously, develop all of my technique and be a badass, um, but... Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to to be a, a, a modern jazz drummer, mm-hmm. and beyond that, like, um, I've had a lot of experiences working in like cover bands, you know, playing club club dates and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and and kind of returning more to my roots of playing like pocket stuff, playing rock, playing R and B, playing neo soul, that kind. You know, yep, that kind of stuff. So it. I sort of realized that that spangalang, you know, after after college it's like, you know, I love doing it and it's a part of me, but and that, you know, I, I play a, probably like I play rock eighth notes with a swagger. That's that comes from swing. I yep. mean, that's it's all it's all derivative, right?
0: Mhm. Um I think so, I had the same experience of like just being sort of inculcated in this jazz bubble. Uh, in college and then the further away from it, you get the, the more, the more other stuff you let in. And that, like, you know, that, that time of college is still kind of your blood type, you know, in a, in a way. Um, but, but there, like you said, for you and for me, there was stuff there before that. There was just like this classic rock and this pocket shit and this top 40 and like Ringo, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
1: man. Actually, like, so, my wife being a bass player and her father being a bass player as well. Okay. So yeah,
0: like her, her dad's a bass player. Your dad's a trumpet player. Like Mm -hmm. they're just these two big ass musical families. Like that's amazing.
1: Kind of. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my roots, like my whole family, uh, was super musical. My mom plays piano. Her mother played uh, accordion and piano. Her, her dad, my grandpa, Glenn, who's my middle name. I have his name. Hmm. Um, uh, he played guitar. Who's and I actually I have his guitar here in the studio. And oh, old cool! Gibson L seven. It's mm. amazing, man. It's like <laughs> tone for days. It's yeah. like unplugged. It's just so it just sings. It's so it's amazing. Oh, that's great. Um, but yeah, like we used to have you know family jam sessions like at, during the holidays. You know, like a, a little drum set and hi hat, and my dad's <laughs> playing. Drum. Sometimes my dad would play drums, and I'm playing couple of cowboy chords on the guitar and you know grandma's playing yeah, piano or accordion mom's playing piano
0: right it's and Julia, funny man. sorry go ahead
1: oh yeah yeah and Jules is uh, her family is also musical I mean there's some piano playing I think her grand grand no
0: I don't think her grandma played
1: piano they had the piano in the house but I don't I don't think they were really serious about playing it <laughs> but yeah Paul her dad's a bass player um, and there's a couple singers in the family uh, but yeah, like music lovers, right? Music love. Like, my mother in law loves music like, like a husband loves a wife. You know, it's like and <laughs> it loves to dance. It's like it's 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 infectious, man. It's everywhere.
0: Man, I want to come to y'all's house for Christmas.
1: <laughs> it's it's deep, man. The playlist, yeah, <laughs> is like always a really heavy playlist, and it's just like the best of everything, right? R&B, pop.
0: Oh, that's so pop. great that's great not a lot of country though no offense to people that are (laughs) man (laughs) you got you got to form a playlist somehow it can't be everything that's right you can't please everybody right Was the goal like first stop North Texas, next stop New York?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, initially when I was in high school, I was looking at like SUNY Purchase and Manhattan School of Music and New School. I also, yeah, ultimately I did want to go to New York immediately, but it, it was it wasn't in my financial cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, North Texas is like a, it's a state college, so it's really affordable. It's not in New York, so again, it's really affordable. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the the goal was as soon as I could possibly, you know, save up enough money to go and cut my teeth in the city. Yeah, I wanted to get
0: there. Yeah. So what? It like what were your first moves when you got there?
1: First moves, um, basically hit up everybody that I knew from school or alumni that were from north texas that um some of the faculty had recommended that i get in touch with like henry hay his yeah one, uh, there from fork mm-hmm. and rudder um become, he's become a close friend i remember him telling me about i had a conversation like when i was thinking about like where to move in brooklyn like what what, what neighborhood and he was telling me about he's like well a park slope is more like no park slope you can't get a parking spot ever. And he was like telling me all these like really like New Yorky details. And right, I remember right. At the time it was just like, so above my head. I, I was just like, Oh no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Henry was, was definitely a good, a good friend and Pete McCann who's another North Texas alum guitar player, great guitar player. Um, so yeah, I mean there, there's a whole bunch of people that I'm like spacing, but like just basically called and emailed as many people as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and, and then jam session, jam session, jam session. All of the jam sessions, all yeah. the jam sessions.
1: But what's really kind of funny, here's like a silly little story about like my first kind of real jazz tour mm-hmm. in New York. Um, I got the gig because of a Facebook correspondence with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad being a trumpet player and like, like super trumpet player nerd he was emailing or like Facebook messaging um Lou Soloff mm-hmm. like about mouthpieces and this and that and he's like I have your signature mouthpiece or whatever and I guess Lou was like oh man you have that ma- I've been looking for that mouthpiece for years. year I don't like they stopped making it and mm-hmm. all this stuff so my dad sent him this mouthpiece and he's like oh yeah by the way um if you get a chance my my drummer or my son's a drummer in New York, he just moved, and you know he's been playing around like the fifty-five bar, whatever. You should go check him out. And like, and Lou was his response was, you know, yeah, of course, his son's a drummer. Everybody's son's a drummer. Yeah. Like, okay,
0: I'll okay, bet whatever. he's, I'll bet he's great. Yeah, right, right. yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm sure, he grooves his butt off. <laughs> um, but like that night, Lou was on a train, on Metro North train, going up to some gig upstate with the bass player Francois Mouton, who was in his quartet at the time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, you ever, like I have been emailing with this guy from North Dakota and he said, his son's a drummer. You ever heard of this guy, Ross Peterson? And he's like, man, I'm playing with him tonight huh? at the 55 bar. And so like he brought Lou over to the gig and Lou sat in and it was just like, just fire, man. It was like, so amazing. Yeah. Like, cool. you know, all of that high note energy and all of that, like, he's just such a, such a bad motherfucker. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How cool. So so then you, you ended up doing a tour with Lou. Yeah. So like the
1: next week, Tane bailed on a tour. (sighs) And first of all, there's like, there's so many layers to this that I like, I don't deserve to be subbing for Tane. A, (laughs) Uh, but B like, it was just, you know, I'm new to New York. It's my first year there. And like, that was just, beyond my it just blew my mind it was Mm -hmm. crazy um but that that's that led to the first
0: kind of like real european you know jazz tour right right Um, and since then so like you got i mean you've got such a new york resume uh but like the ones that jump out to me and i think the most recent ones that you've been doing are uh grace kelly and Mm -hmm. manhattan transfer yeah yeah so two very different gigs (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that is that is a fact.
1: Um there's some similarities in a way. I mean, you know, uh Grace is doing a lot of vocal stuff these days, so you know, there is like the kind of like pop vocal jazz yeah, element.
0: Yeah. There. Um, and I, I knew of course that she was a, a saxophonist, but like in I'm watching some videos preparing for this, I was like, Oh, there there's all this singing also. And some like yeah. Ross is doing some electronic shit. And like, this is not just like bebop. Like what, you know, I, I don't know what I thought she was, but, um, all the things you are in seven. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> oh man. That I like, I think of young New York as like rightly or wrongly. I think of young New York jazzers as just like all the things you are in seven at 400 go. <laughs>
1: at smalls at 2 (laughs) a.m. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I think we actually, like, we did this private gig years ago with Grace, like, for some dinner kind of thing, and we actually did play All the Things You Are. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I think that's, like, that's it was on the back of my brain. Right,
0: right. Um, Every stereotype begins with a kernel of truth. It's true. It's
1: true, yeah. Um But, yeah, Grace, it's fun. The funny thing about Grace is that, so I mentioned Pete McCann before who was in her band at the time. This was, like, 2012, Mm -hmm. I think.
0: Um, And so Jordan Pearlson, who's a very bad dude. uh, I know know of him. I have never met him, but uh, sorry to interrupt, but, like, that name just, like, (laughs) rang a bell because I played – a little bit when I was in Kansas city with this pianist named Ben Markley, who now okay. I think lives in Denver. Um, but he did like a trio record and Jordan Pearlson was the drummer on his trio record. And oh, so, yeah, I was learning all Ben's tunes, like listening to Jordan play. And I was like, Jesus oh, Christ, yeah. this dude is heavy. <laughs> yeah. Jordan's a bad dude. Like yeah.
1: he's one of the first guys, cause he's a few years older than me. And he went to Berkeley. One of the first guys that I kind of started like really checking out when I moved to the city. Mm-hmm. And I think actually the first time I heard him play was he, like he was touring with maybe Frank Lacrasto or hmm. something. And they, they came to Denton, um, where North Texas is. Anyway, um, so Jordan was Grace's drummer mm-hmm. for a long time. They I think they knew each other from Berkeley, But this fateful summer... Uh, in 2012 I guess he, um, he had some other tour come through or whatever and had to bail on this gig which was the uh, Atlanta Jazz Festival
0: oh yeah
1: okay so I was playing a lot with Pete and Evan Greger who was the bass player at the time and they had, so they're like you should get Ross you know he can like he'll read your music fine whatever we, we don't even really need to rehearse <clears throat> so they sent me all this music and some of it at that time like she was still doing some stuff in odd meters and like it was it was a little bit more jazz but also some light like songwriter kind of stuff um but there was no rehearsal so it was like fly in the day of the gig um sound check i'd never played her music with her or you know i'm obviously i did my homework but um and it was just like a quick 35 40 minute line check sound check yeah and then and then the, the gig, which is just, you know, the Atlanta Jazz Festival is huge. It's like thirty-five thousand people.
0: I've I've lived in Atlanta for over five years now and I have not been to the Jazz Festival yet. And I'm oh, man. ashamed to admit that. But uh yeah. It's a great
1: time. Man. Once it, it gets like, going
0: again, I'm I'm gonna go.
1: Man, yeah, it's 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 yeah, I'm sure they took last year off, right? Yeah. Um <clears throat> but yeah, that like yeah, it was like playing music that you've never played before to an audience of thirty five thousand, opening up for Robert Glasper. Like, go, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. All right, this is this is this is life, man. Mm-hmm. This is what we do. Right. Like, Proud by fire.
0: Yeah. Um, and so that was just like f- from then on, you were her drummer, or was it uh, sort of back and forth about? Yeah, I don't. It basically, from that point
1: on. It's not. I don't think it's because of that necessarily. That like I got the gig over Jordan. I think Jordan was just he became more busy playing with Becca, Mm -hmm. uh, Becca Stevens. Yeah, yeah. Also a total, total badass and an amazing human being. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think he was just he just got busy and was doing a a lot of different stuff. And then you know she ended up just kind of calling me, I guess more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: But. But yeah, like. What year was that? 2012 I think
0: Okay so like you've been Kind of in her circle for a while um, And you mentioned that like You know in that time she's She's uh, just sort of Changed uh, In the kind of music she's making And the kind of musician she is Um, Yeah Like how much much have you gotten to play A role in that or has it just been like She's going in this direction And her band just kind of follows Well
1: I mean, it's it's interesting that you asked that because I mean, uh, there was a period a couple years ago where we were getting ready to do this Go Time Brooklyn Live. It was we it was like one of the last sessions that the Systems Two
0: Recording Studio had in Brooklyn. They this, they shut. It. I think I watched it where you played the the Stone song. Miss you. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So we we did a lot of sort of like prep for that um for that particular show and recording Mm -hmm. and that we've done some stuff like this before like she's always deferred to um the musicians in the band like she's very giving in that sense where she it's not she doesn't give a lot of like you know instruction or Mm -hmm. whatever it's like she she respects and honors people's voices and, and opinions but in this in this particular period we spent a lot of time like kind of shaping and like kind of working the arrangements out and the detail and all of that stuff, like the reharmonized reharmonizations, Julian Pollock did a lot of, you know, his thing, he put his stamp on it. Um, but, but yeah, I think that that was kind of a, like a, a, a milestone in terms of like, now we're doing, you know, bringing out the SPD SX and, yeah. like, you know, we're bringing samples into the stuff and, and, and it was, it was a super fun process. I mean, you know, Anytime that you can augment your acoustic set to like in- incorporate the electronic rig, it's like, it's like f- finally I can like, I can mess with the, you know, the electronics too. It's
0: right. like, right. It just becomes a different instrument almost.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And with that comes a whole other learning curve and, and set of fun.
0: Right. Um, <laughs> so whole new sources of stress and ways to screw up. <laughs> <laughs> It's true, <laughs> and
1: she continues to, you know, she's been doing some stuff with Leo P the last couple of years with like the kind of like groovy sax duo thing, mm-hmm. and, and that's like, that's kind of dope. And you know, she like she's always looking for something new, mm-hmm. which is cool. she's doing some electronic music. She's doing all kinds of stuff,
0: and it seems like you, um, sort of like you know, every every drummer like it's 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 our goal to like you know, get the call and be able to do the, like you did at the Atlanta jazz festival, right? Like you just Mm -hmm. learned the shit, you showed up, you read the tunes, you played the gig, everything was great. Um, but, but beyond that, um, you know, I, I guess it's sort of like the hired gun versus the, um, you know, trusted, uh, circle member, um, because you, you started out as just the guy that could show up and read and do the gig, but in the time you've known her and played with her, like, uh, you know, as she's sort of going through this evolution, it's like there are trusted people that she wants to go through it with, right? It's no longer Absolutely. just a case of, like, I'm going to do this new music and then whoever can play it just show up and, like, read the charts. It's like, no, we're a, we're doing a thing together Um, and I want all of their voices.
1: That's true. I I think that, I mean, through, through the years of just playing together, I think that she, she knows that we're of like minds that, that we are interested, like, like deeply interested in and passionate about like playing these different styles Mm -hmm. and having having all of this stuff kind of be a part of our wheelhouse. So I, I think that having that trust that, um, I'm, I'm going I'm willing and totally down to do something new and fresh and still bring the fire and passion and energy that we've always you know, that I always bring to the table into that new thing, whatever that may be. Right. I mean, that's not to say that she doesn't collaborate with with other artists. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she certainly does a lot of different stuff, but it you know, she has had this band which uh, you know, me and my wife and it, it was Julian Pollock for a long time. Um, but he's off in LA now and doesn't so that's love right.
0: so, Sorry, what were, what were you saying <laughs> about LA?
1: just—he's in LA now and, and doesn't love flying. Uh, um,
0: so. <laughs> got so. it. Um, and so Julia plays with uh, Grace as well, right? Yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah mostly. It's just like you got—you guys got a fucking household, like you said, just the household rhythm section right there. Tell your friends, bro. <laughs> <laughs> man one-stop shop that's right you save
1: on the hotel room
0: right and god what a what a great thing for you like you don't have to room with you know whatever pianist is like on the tour like you get to room with your wife god fucking great brilliant (laughs) <laughs> it's pretty
1: amazing. I and I'm not, not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I'm not I'm not bragging about it, but
0: No brag. Pretty- Bra- I mean, aside from aside from the gigs in the North Texas thing, like I think every drummer listening to this is like being married to like a, an incredibly funky, talented, beautiful, amazing bassist like Sign me up for that. Fuck the gigs. I want to marry a bassist. <laughs> that's, why we, that's why we went into music in the first place,
1: right? <laughs> right. To, get, to get the girl. Yeah, and then she happens to be a killing bass player. Yeah,
0: man, Yahtzee. Oh, brilliant. So, like with Manhattan Transfer, I mean, I would imagine that's that's more of a like just show up and play the shit gig. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's there there's a little bit less room for
1: improvisation on that gig yeah
0: yeah because what an established act i mean they've been around for 40 years or something haven't they
1: yeah I, well yeah Might is it 45 fuck it was like yeah, it was the mid 70s i yeah. should know this um i think it was i think it was like 70 73 74 mm-hmm. something like that i know that your own the musical director now and piano player he's been there since 79 wow So, like, when I joined the band, he had been in the band for 36 years, (laughs) right? And that is how old I am now. You know, so this is now a few years later. So he had been in the band longer than I had been alive. And I could just, like, I could wrap my head around that. Like, (laughs) like, So you've played Birdland, like, (laughs) how many times? Like, and, and it's just amazing. And, and like, that's, that's also been a lesson too, to, to see how, you know, it's like, like that movie, Jiro dreams of sushi. yeah that?
0: God, that's such a great movie. Oh. I can't
1: think of the word, but you know how, how, how there's that philosophy of, of like spending every day of your life, uh, dedicated to really kind of perfecting a very specific craft.
0: Yes. And Dave Chang, Dave Chang talks about it too. It's like a, it's a noun in Japanese. To it means this kind of person. Uh, yes. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And and I and I think about that when I, and I observe how Your Own brings life into this gig after so like after so many years. Mm-hmm. You know, again, longer than I've been alive, and I I, I it, it blows my mind, and I and I I think it's such a beautiful thing, and it makes me. Um, really try to always be present uh, in the musical moment, and like give a hundred and seventy-five percent of you know my my time, energy, life, soul yeah. into that thing. You know, even if it is the thousandth time that you've played that song.
0: Right. Right. And I mean, it's a lesson in you know we were we were talking about how like you're you're part of Grace's circle and one of her trusted collaborators, and like you know your has been that for them for over three decades like exactly you know exactly and I think sometimes it's on autopilot sometimes you know people just are to get, whether it's in a marriage or a band or whatever, they're just like, it becomes muscle memory and it it sort of stagnates and they don't know how to get out of it. But (laughs) I went dark there for a second, (laughs) but, but just as often, like, you know, you, you find, you find these fellow travelers, these musical soulmates and it's like, I, I don't know what we're going to do, but I want to do it with that person before I consider anybody else. Exactly. It's a, it's a,
1: it's a safety net way. Like, you know, you know that that person's got your back. Mm -hmm. Like if you, they've got your back and they've got your best interests in mind,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, like knowing, knowing that somebody as, as great and unique of a voice as as he or she, or they may have, um, they're willing to put that at the door and serve you and your vision. Right. And that's like, that's it. That's mm-hmm. that's that's the point. I mean, that's like the if 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 there's no other lesson to give a young up and coming drummer, bass player, like sideman, it's just like you know, create the vision, like contribute to the vision, like right. the greater picture. You know, this is a basketball team trying to put that ball in the hoop.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know? it's it's it t- it takes all of us. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, there. Um. They've been such a great group to work with. I mean, talk about a well-oiled machine. Yeah, you know, they've they they've really done it. But the, and they're not like they're not burnt. You mm-hmm. know, like they're still they still love doing what they're doing, and that's that's the thing. Is like, you know, it, it just it 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 teaches you to respect this whole process, this life, and the you know. Um. And be be grateful mm-hmm. for for having these opportunities. And especially in the last year that's been so difficult for everybody. And like you realize how how beautiful it is to have the opportunity to go to Japan and play music for people there and, and, and they just love it, you know, and like it's 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 amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And just like you said about, you know, they're they're not burnt out. They still love what they do. Um and I think At least
1: think... they fake it well. <laughs>
0: some people do man some i mean i played at disneyland for five years for christ's sake and Ah. and you know that that was a gig about like we're doing this show for the sixth time today and the 300th time this year and you know it's it's some little kids first time at disneyland and tuesday at the 130 show is where he sees you for the first time and man, you you better turn it on. <laughs> That's great! Wow,
1: yeah, okay. I'm I'm preaching to the choir. Talking about playing songs over and over again, dude. You, you,
0: you dig? Yeah, I I I. Phew, man, I could I could go on and on about Disneyland, and I have on many <laughs> episodes of this podcast. So I'll I'll just That's I'll right. spare everybody. Um, but like what what that gig taught me was uh like. Like you were saying, no matter how many times you have done this, like be in the moment because if if you're in the moment, you can find something to sort of latch on to um, in almost any show, right? Like no matter how many exactly. times you've done it, exactly. There's <clears throat> so again, my father-in-law, he
1: he was the bass player for the show Mamma Mia for all of its life except for one day. So the guy that 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 was on day one, the bass player, got fired. So, Paul was from day two until they closed a couple years ago, um, which I think was like 14 years, 13, 14 years. Mm.
0: Yeah, wow. Of eight shows a week. And, so, wait, and, Ju- like Julia's father is a bass player and she's a bass player, and Julia's father played on Mamma Mia, and so did she. Uh, she would sub, she subbed for him on Broadway. And then when she graduated
1: from college, she ended up doing the touring company
0: wow Love it. how cool is this i'm sorry i just can't get over like just the <laughs> lineage like the the musical family lineage it's like you know like it's it's like you're in a trade like shoemaking or something <laughs> yeah um yeah well, and and you know mama mia is not the only thing that paul
1: has done. like he's played with everybody and mm-hmm. like he did he did all like a ton of
0: sessions uh over the years um, yeah
1: paul Adamy. Fall Out of Me, yeah. Check him out. He's a he's a funky dude, man. I'm
0: sure, and I feel like I've heard that name. Like I, I couldn't pick him out of a lineup, but I've, I've, I've read his name in credits. I'm sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, Um, yeah. Rock Steady. Like I'm not saying he played on that track, but (laughs) he's like he's like he's he's so he's just a straight shooter. Like he's he's right right down the middle.
0: Yeah, Um, it's my favorite kind of bass player. Just straight down the middle like
1: you're reliable Reli- yeah. you know you know exactly what is going to happen
0: <laughs>
1: that's that's a beautiful thing yeah i mean there there are times and moments where that you know you can uh explore other areas or whatever. Yeah yeah
0: um but, but i i interrupted you about cuz you were talking about him doing that long run of mamma mia
1: oh yeah i i was just sort of like relating to that point um they were saying that anything, you know, like like being in the moment after having played a song or a show so many times, and I think around that pit because I subbed on that show, and they were saying that anytime there's anything new, like they're 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 looking for anything new, whether it's like a uh, something happens in the audience and that interrupts the flow of the the what's happening on stage, mm-hmm. or there's a sub playing and how the sub um, interprets, you know, it's like they they lived for those those moments, so right. it's like. I can imagine you at Disneyland, it's like, you know, anything new. So, like, somebody gets off a ride and, like, throws up or something. Like, <laughs> like living, yeah.
0: living for those, like, like unique, different moments. Yep, yep, for sure. And with the other musicians. Like, it it wasn't, I mean, it was a pretty rigidly managed show, but it wasn't so rigid that, you know, the vocalists especially couldn't, you know do a little bit of their thing on it um and you know there were there were a number of vocalists that i really really loved playing with uh so you know even even on the thousandth time on that show you know melanie collins or adrian de leon or somebody would just like do a little thing and i would be like fuck yeah yeah, you're so good i love playing with you (laughs) (laughs) you know Wow. Was it the same band, basically? Like, well, it time? it was like a rotating cast. Every so there were five members of the band plus a singer, and every chair was three or four or five deep. And oh wow, yeah, and so there would be like a, a morning shift and an afternoon evening shift, um, and you would get you know three or four or five shifts a week, um, and it you know sometimes it was fairly consistent it's like okay this crew on tuesday and this crew on wednesday and whatever but a lot of times you know people were just subbing in and out because everybody has other shit going on um yeah, yeah so you know on on the roster for that band was like 40 fucking people and oh wow and you know you you never know really who it's going to be on a given day and and sometimes it was great and sometimes it was work <laughs> <laughs> so it's a gig yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well man, Ross, it was it was great talking to you. I I just loved hearing about your your family and and your wife and uh I'm I'm going to follow more closely what what the two of you are up to from now on cuz uh you're you're both you're both just delightful people and badass musicians. So it was great oh, talking with you.
1: Likewise. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me on the on the podcast. And I'm I'm like, I was going through the archives of the podcast and I'm just like, man, this, this like some deep, some deep pockets up in this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we it's like, amazing. we, we passed the 300 episode mark, um, towards the beginning of this year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we we are really fortunate to have landed some some big names over that time, but um, but yeah, there's just as many that are like, who the fuck is this guy from Cincinnati, or <laughs> you know, right, right, um, and that's there, awesome. There are just some great stories and great musicians, and uh, you know, I, I'm really, uh, I, I feel really grateful to to just be exposed to, um, you know, the full spectrum of of drummers and music scenes that we've that we've covered.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for for putting it together. Thanks for doing what you're doing. It's it's a really beautiful thing.
0: Thanks, man. We will talk to you soon.
1: Sounds good, my brother. Take care.
0: There you go. Ross Peterson. I'm sure he's going to be back out and about with Grace Kelly and Manhattan Transfer before too long, so be on the lookout for him. Next week, Matthew Krauss will be talking with LA drummer Mark Stepro, who has stayed consistently busy out there with Taylor Swift, Butch Walker, Panic at the Disco, and The Wallflowers, among many others. Hope you check that out. Until then, stay safe, get vaxxed, and thanks for listening. Cheers.